Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have on Anders Dierholm. Did I do that right? Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> for 12 years, Anders has been part of developing Orbit from a small niche system to a well-established platform, trusted by some of the most influential companies across multiple industries. In his current role as client development manager, he serves as the link between clients and their systems development. He's also a project manager for more than 30 ongoing projects and specializes in CV, skill and reference management modules, as well as the sales and tender management modules. Through his work, he has analyzed the workflows and processes for creating and managing tender specific CVs and references in more than 300 companies throughout the last 10 years and is one of the leading experts in this small but business critical field. Welcome, Anders. Thank you so much for having me. So before we dig into how to efficiently manage resumes and references, I'm curious to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Yeah, it's actually it's a funny story because um, this was not at all what I had planned. Um, I, I actually studied leadership and I ended up after I graduated working in an engineering company. And as luck would have it, I at a reception at some point I meet this guy and he was like what do you do and I told him what I did and he said oh that company I used to work there did, have you ever been working with uh, like CVs and references and like yeah I do we have the system for it and it's like oh well, that's cool what how do you like it and I was like it's a really really crappy system and he was <laughs> just looking really really annoyed and said you know what that's my company that made that system <laughs> and, <laughs> so we got into talking and it was probably more of a bit of a fight but over some time we kind of got to the point that maybe we need to talk more about this mm. so i was actually hired to try to to do something about this system because it was a very niche and it was very custom based really uh, okay. so it was like could we do something uh, to make this more standard and, and, and basically bring it to the world? So that was where I started to work with CVs and references. And going on from there, when you work with something for that many years, it starts to become about something else than just the a piece of software because you can't do this without also digging into the processes and the people and how the business operates with something like, in this case, references and, and CVs. So that's what I did. Perfect. Well, it's encouraging to know that no matter what side of the pond you're on, we all seem to fall into this unwillingly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and to be honest, I don't have a lot of knowledge about the American way of doing things. I am based in Denmark, so it's a European and, and the regulations that we have here that, that I know the most about. But from what I've learned from the connections I do have in, in the U.S., it sounds very similar. Uh, yeah. There might not be the same, you could say, regulations from a government perspective, but right. the way you're trying to handling it, that's almost identical. The problems people face, very, very similar to what we see in Europe. Sure. So I think a good jumping off point is to first establish why resumes or CVs and project references are important. 
Yeah. Uh, I would say, of course, there's not only one way of or one reason for why this is important. It also varies based on what industry you're in. But if we are focusing on engineering, construction, architecture, this line of, of business, you could say, and that's what I normally tell my clients, that what we do when you have good references, uh, mostly references, but also CVs, is that it allows you to talk about something else than what you are trying to promise them that you'll be making for them. Because mm. uh, everyone likes to hear the story about a vendor or a supplier uh, that can do something excellent and great uh, at the right price at the right time and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> we all like that. Yeah. But by having good references and CVs, you kind of turn the conversation around from being what you promise that you will do to talking about what you have already done for someone else. And thereby mm. you highlight or you emphasize that this is actually not uh, all talk, but you can actually uh, deliver as well because you have done so in the past. Of course, everything can go wrong, but at least you're upping the the chance or the, the success criteria that you can actually do this. And I think that's a very strong point. Yeah. Also, because this allows you to talk about something else than price. If you have a really, really good track record, mm-hmm. uh, you can, to a much larger extent, defend while you might be a little bit more expensive than the next one, uh, because you can actually deliver. Uh, and, and that is what references, at least to some extent, allows you to do. Um, when it comes to the CVs, it's similar. But again, this is more about saying we actually have the right skills uh, in-house to, to pull this through. We have experienced people that have done this before. We're not uh, hoping uh, we can actually prove that we have done this previously. And I think okay. that's, a, that's a very strong point to coming from when you are talking with the client. I mean, we do software and we're doing the exact same thing. We are also trying to use references, trying to to defend or explain that we know what we're talking about and we have done it before. Um, right. No one wants to, to, to use someone who are totally inexperienced. Of course, someone needs to hire you the first time, but if you do have references and CVs of a, of a good enough quality, I would say you're much better off. Yeah, agreed. Well, especially when you're in a market where you're selling your experience rather than a product in most cases. Exactly. Um, You need to be able to say that, that we have not just done something, but we have actually done something that is as close to what you're looking for as possible. So the closer we can get, the better. And of course, if you're a smaller company, you won't have as many references and thereby you will probably won't be able to get as close to what the client is asking for. Unless, of course, you've just happened to have been doing something exactly the same. But if you're a larger company, you would most likely have more references, you have more CVs to pick from. And thereby you can put to- together some better documentations that are better suited or aimed at uh, what the client is, is looking for. Yeah. Um, Exactly. So how do we actually get these good references and CVs? That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. But I mean, the the, the important thing to say here is, and again, it's a tough conversation because there is a big difference if you are 50 people or if you're 5,000 people. Different companies will be approaching this challenge from different perspectives. But I would say that 
where you need to start when we're doing this is you need to actually make sure that everyone is aligned on the fact that it is a good idea to have good CVs and references. I mean, it, it might sound obvious and, and a bit silly, uh, but you'd be surprised at how many companies I talk to where this has not really been stated anywhere. It hasn't really been decided that this is important. There isn't a shared vision of why this is important. And, and that makes it very, very hard to do anything about it. Um, right. Of course. Of course, a company like that are not very likely to invest in a piece of software like we're providing, of course, but they're not really very likely to do anything about the process either, even without looking at a piece of software. So I would say if you are managing references and or slash CVs uh, today and you want to be better at this, get this uh, done in a more efficient way, the place to start is you need to get the organization on board. They need to, to buy the premises that this is actually important. If you don't have that uh, buy-in, anything or whatever I'm going to say for the next 20 to 30 minutes won't make any difference because it just it won't happen if you don't have that backing uh, to actually uh, carry through with this. Right. That would be the first thing. That's number one. You need to get people on board on the idea that this is even impo important. Because right. there is organizations where that really hasn't uh, uh, sunk in yet. So then how do we go about constructing this process? You've got the buy-in from yeah. your leadership. Everyone agrees that this is important. Where yeah. do you start with this process? I would say um, something I normally tell my clients is if you want this to succeed, this needs to be someone's job. It, and it, yeah. it sounds a little bit obvious and silly, but again... Very, very often the responsibilities for having good references and CVs are like um, it's it's floating around the organization. If you're an engineering company, it's very, very common to, for management to say, OK, uh, listen up, guys, everyone from now on is responsible for their own CVs. Yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, all project managers should may, make sure that they make uh, great uh, references once a project is finished or further along enough that we can actually start making reference. You need to do that. Right. And then for some strange reason, people think that this will now magically happen. And I can assure you, <laughs> it does not. Right. <laughs> this is not enough. Uh, so you need to make someone responsible, not necessarily for making the references and CVs, but making them responsible for ensuring that it happens. Right. Meaning they need to have the mandate to go out and tell people, you know what, uh, Michael, it is now uh, time for you to do your CV and uh, this is not good enough. We need you to do it because it's fine that Michael is responsible for his own CV, but someone needs to, to manage the, that, that process. It, it just doesn't happen on its own. I went and talked with the company once. Um, they, they never became one of our clients, uh, unfortunately, but however, they had, a, a, in my opinion, very extreme approach to this. They said, our CVs is the most important thing we have. If we don't have any CVs, we will go out of business within six months. So mm. uh, what they did was they told their employees, and this is extreme. I just want to emphasize that this is extreme. They told their employees that if they had not updated their CVs once a month, at least, they would get like a written warning uh, the first time. The second time they did it, they wouldn't get paid until the CV was updated. And the third time they did it, they would be fired. Like, just like that. And, and this guy I was talking to, and I was just staring at him. And he was like, I know this sounds wild, he said, but we only had to fire one person in 10 years. 
It never happened again. And I was like, yeah, I get it. But it, I mean, this sure. is management by fear. But <laughs> yeah, I, I use yeah. it as an example because it is so extreme. But the, the notion of where he was coming from, I actually like that. Because what he was saying is, this is so important that we mm. need to do everything to ensure that this works. Because if it doesn't, we don't have anything to sell. Because, I mean, they were a consulting company. They were selling people, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if they didn't have these CVs, they didn't have anything on the, on the shelves, as he was uh, putting it. So I would say you need to make someone responsible for this process and make ensuring that it happens. And again, that does not mean that they need to do it. It just means that they need to ensure that it's happening. Because in many, many organizations, the people responsible for this process will also be the ones ending up doing it <laughs> because there isn't right. really a mandate to make people do it. Uh, so they just kind of stuck with the task and, and, and they need to end up doing it themselves. And yeah. that is not how it's supposed to be because the result of that will not be as good as if someone is making it themselves and then having these guys responsible for it going over it afterwards. And that basically brings me to the next step. Once you have someone that is responsible for making sure that it happens, you need to have a, an efficient workflow because you cannot expect a project manager to be the number one in the world at writing great references. And you sure. can't expect all architects or engineers or whatever to be great at writing um, a sales CV. Because this is not a CV as you would use it when you're applying for a job. This is this is something else. And, right. and I guess most people working with this field, they know that there is a difference there. Yeah. So just because you're a great engineer doesn't mean you're great at making CVs. And no mm -hmm. one's expecting you to. However, you most likely are the person in the world that knows the most about what you can do and what you've been doing in the past. Meaning you need to deliver the information and then someone else will take over and, you know, mold it, tweak it a little bit, polish the, the edges to make it into that great CV that will hopefully get us the next uh, project. But we need that input. It, it's a team effort, you could say. Uh, and you need to establish that very early on that you cannot do this without the participation of the project managers when it comes to the references and the individuals when it comes to the CVs. Yeah. That's extremely important. So now we established how to basically get the information. Then, of course, someone will, based on this information, make the CV. And now we have, you could say, a one-off. Now we have a CV, the first version, and it's great. It's awesome, and we can use it. But this is not a fixed thing. Right. This, it's not uh, this, static. This, this, this is not it. static. Exactly. It's not static. Meaning this needs to be updated again. Maybe not next month, but maybe three months or six months from now. So you need to put a, a process into place of when should we update the CVs? Who are responsible for informing people that they should update them? Mm -hmm. uh, how do we ensure that this happens? Right. We need to get that process up and running because otherwise these great CVs that we have just created, they will over time deteriorate to become really bad CVs even though they started out very well. Uh, we, we, so we need to ensure that they keep being good. Yeah. When it comes to the references, it's a little bit different. But if you take, say, a large infrastructure project, if you're an engineering company, you'd probably make the reference, say, after you've been working on the project for six months, mm -hmm. even though the project might take five years. 
meaning someone needs to update that reference over time in order to make sure that it's as close to uh, reality or that we have all the, the updates into this reference, that the timeline is correct, that the pricing is correct. We need to have that, that base information in. So in that sense, it's the similar process. We need to ensure that someone is looking at this reference at a certain interval to make sure that it's still relevant, that it's still updated. And again, this doesn't have to be quantum physics. It can be as simple as having a reference calendar where you put in a, a task for, uh, for each reference. When should we look at these references again? It doesn't have to be more complex than that. And then you have someone looking into that calendar once a week. And it's okay, which projects do we have to go over this week? It, it can be extremely pr pragmatic. It's not really important how it happens as long as it happens. And I would say that is the most important part. That is to get this feedback loop in place, at least when it comes to the references. Because otherwise, you will end up using a reference where the client might look at it and say, you know what, I know that project. And, and this is not at all what, it, what happened. And by the way, you also sent me five CVs and the two of these people actually worked on this project. But when I look at their CV, it says something else about the project than what you're saying in the reference. And suddenly you've gone from trying to prove that you're good at what you do into actually proving to them that you have no control of your documentation. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, suddenly, yeah. and suddenly you're actually you're actually worse off than if you hadn't sent this reference because suddenly it becomes evident that one hand doesn't know what the other is doing basically yes i yeah i've seen that so many times where you're looking at a project team who's worked on the same exact project mm. and the way they describe that project in their resume is completely different <laughs> to a point where you wouldn't know it's the same project. So, I mean, this is about data quality. If you dig deep enough, uh, that's what this is about. And most clients, if, if you're really interested in this, they would try to say they're looking for the holes here, but they will definitely see, are you consistent in what sure. you're communicating? Uh, and that's extremely important. I had a client uh, many years ago, and, and they actually bought our system because they have lost a very large project. What happened was that they have done what I just explained before, meaning that they had different pricing on the projects when they were in the CVs than when they actually provided the references. Mm -hmm. And it was a framework contract. They already had the contract, and now they're trying to be pre-qualified to bid on it again. Uh, but they didn't even go through the pre-qualification because they were filtered out like in the first phase. And the reason for it was that this was off. And what the company was doing was they were doing surveys for like large oil companies. And they were like, you know what? The most important thing of what you're doing when you're doing surveying for us is to make sure that all documentation is right. That is the main service that you are providing for us. That is to document what things are and what and when they are like this and how things change over time so that we basically have everything covered sure. if something happens. Yeah. And this was the one thing that they couldn't deliver on because at least that was the thought behind why they were deemed unfit to, to participate in this tender. So after this, the CEO he just went out and said, okay, how do we ensure that this never happens again? Mm. And then they started a process to, to get there. But I mean, this is not necessarily something that happens for everyone. And depending on what industry you're in, your clients might not care. But if you're doing like 
large contracts for like government contracts, eventually you will end up in a situation where this is actually quite important. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you can get this process up and running, you can say in peacetime, then you're much better off when you get to the point where this actually starts to matter. Because when you are sitting with that large, very important proposal, and it's it's stated clearly, please ensure that there is a red thread through the CVs and the references and make sure that everything is okay. That's not the time where you want to start to read through everything and make sure that it's right. right. You need to have that up and running way, way before. Um, unless, of course, you have like infinite amounts of time to prepare this uh, proposal. Sure, which we all have <laughs> all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, <laughs> we never have really have hard deadlines, right? No, I mean, never. Uh, never, not really a thing. Um, <laughs> so so I, I would say um, this is about timing. Making a great reference, it might not be hard. Same thing with a great CV. If you know how to do it, it's not that hard, really. Uh, it's a discipline, of course, but once you master it, you can do it. However, Writing a great reference or a great CV in the last minute when you don't have the necessary information, that's almost impossible. Even mm. if you're the best CV or reference writer in the world, it doesn't matter if you don't have the information. And that guy that has that CV that you really need, he's always on vacation. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, all, it's always like that. So it's like, how do we ensure that we get the information out of his head before he goes on vacation. Sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it, it sounds very complex, all of this, but actually it's not. It all comes down to that. How do we ensure that we have the right information in the right quality at the right time? If we can check that off, then we're good. <laughs> then this problem is solved. Um, right. Well, that sort of leads me into my next question, which is how do we maintain this process, this flow? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest problems I see is that the responsibility for this is, uh, and I already mentioned, not really placed anywhere. And then it ends up with a group of uh, secretaries, and maybe some salespeople right. that aren't really considering this their key point or the most important thing in their work or in their lives. But now it just end up there. So it's it's like this uh, hot potato that is being pushed around and then it just ended up with whoever. Right. And, and he or she is now responsible for making sure that this happens. That is probably the worst way of making sure that this works. Yeah. <laughs> so if we try to look at some of the places that I've been working with where this works very well, what they have done is that they basically created like a a small department, depending on the size of the company, this can be anything from two people to 50 people. Hmm. But you need to assign someone, you need to give them some way of approaching management. So you need to give them a connection to management so that they can basically escalate when this is not working, because eventually this will, at least in some cases, stop to work. Because right. there's a project manager who doesn't want to provide the information that he or she is supposed to, or there's a CV where the person who is supposed to do it is saying, well, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm very, very busy. You mm -hmm. need to have a connection to management. You say, you know what, you remember that we agreed that this was important. I have now have 10 people that doesn't really want to help out with this. Could you please handle that? Because that's above my pay grade. Yeah. So if you want to make sure that, that this doesn't, you can say, 
slide uh, over time, you mm. need to have a clear structure of, uh, say, a chain of command about how you handle this. That's quite important. Uh, otherwise, it will tend to deteriorate over time. I would say that's the first thing you need to do. Next thing, you need to create a good feedback loop, meaning if you have two different sets of people that are either making the references in CV, and here I'm not talking about the actual you say, owner of the CV, but more if you have a group of people that are then um, tweaking the CVs and making them so that they are nice and shiny, but you then have another department that are actually using them so that they are using them for the tenders, pre-qualification, et cetera. Right. You need to create a feedback loop between these two entities because most likely it will be the salespeople that are doing the RFPs that are writing the proposals. They will be the ones that will get the feedback about what was not good enough with these CVs and references. Sure. So you need to get that information back into the hands of the people that are actually writing the next CV or the next reference yeah. so that they can do better um, or optimize that CV or that specific reference. Because the project might be solid. It might be a great project, but if it's explained in an, or described in a poor way, then it might not give you the points that you were aiming at. And I mean... This is, let's be honest about it. This is not very sexy, you could say. All of this is about getting the points when you write that proposal. Right. That's the only reason why we have all of this. So you need to make sure that whoever is the contact for receiving the points, that they will be able to explain back to the people writing the references and CVs, you know what, guys, we really need to emphasize this and this and that more because we actually lost or we, we got a bad review based on this information not being there or being too uh, flimsy or whatever. So yeah. we need to get more beef into this specific area. And that is an ongoing process. Also because different uh, clients, different industries might not agree on, on what a good CV looks like. So over time, it also makes sense to maybe say, maybe we have different versions for different purposes that that's yeah. also that might be needed but again if you're going into that direction you need to go back to my first point and say uh, dear management uh, we now uh, need to have all cvs and references in four different versions one for government contractors one for private contractors blah 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 whatever we need more resources these references these cvs does not maintain themselves so right. if that is where we want to go, if that is the level we are aiming for, we need to we need to assign resources accordingly. And I mean, it's always that's what the, all the fight in all the organizations is about: who gets the resources to do what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's again, this is not quantum physics. We all know how this works. However, it's just very important to state that this doesn't happen on its own. Right. Um, and I actually want to to give a small, we could say, a, a nod or an affirmation to your last guest on your podcast here, Rachel Ray. And she was yes. talking about this burnout thing. Yeah. Uh, how do we prevent burnout in proposal people, basically, proposal professionals? Right. And this exact thing here is where a lot of burnout, at least in my uh, experience, is coming from. Because if there isn't enough resources, but we figure out, you know what, we actually need to revise all the CVs and the references, suddenly a few people in the organization will be stuck with heaps of work right. and no resources to do it. And they still have those deadlines that we're talking about. 
Right. We still expect them to deliver the proposals on time. And I mean, at least in my experience, people don't get stressed out about the things that they do. They get stressed out about the things that they don't have time to do. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's not all the stuff you accomplish that's stressing you. Right. It's, it is that chunk of work. It's like, you know what? We still have uh, 120 CVs that we should be going over because they're not good enough, but we just don't have the time right now. Yes. So we're just going to use the ones from the last proposals and, and hope that it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that's not the core of this problem, but it is definitely a symptom of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, so these things are kind of weaved into each other. You can't have one without the other. Um, and again, this needs to be someone's job. Yeah. It, 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 they, this doesn't make itself. And if we want to have better quality, that, that better quality requires some work. It needs to come from somewhere. I don't know why it's like that, to be honest, but I see it all the time. Organizations, and I'm talking large organizations with many thousands of employees that for some reason just expect that this is just something that happens on its own. Right. Like we purchased the software. It's there. It's in place now. Yeah, but even, even companies goes. that don't have a piece of software, they just have a process and they would still be expecting that Suzanne or Peter or whatever their name is, that they will just be handling this. Right. And, and, and every time they see Suzanne and Peter, they're like almost falling apart saying we have so much work. This is not possible. How do we do this? I was like, yeah, yeah, but it, we, we've been winning proposals for the last 50 years. So why should this change now? Right. And it, I mean, it's, and it's not to be, um, you can say, dramatic about it. It's more to say that if you want something, you need to prioritize it. it yeah. It, and, and, and for some reason, I work a lot with construction okay. uh, companies. And when they need a new, say, excavator, it's mm -hmm. not very, very, really a question if they need it or, or if they should get one or not. It might cost you $2 million to get one, but no one is saying, you know what, we can, you can't get that one. You'll have to use a shovel. Right. I mean, the, the, it's yeah. just, it, it never happens. So meaning the discussions about equipment is a totally different, it's on a different planet compared to the resources in, for example, proposal. Okay. I mean... I had a, a client and the proposal team, there were five people and they had been trying for like a year or something like that to get a, 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 another person on board. Mm. And they were met with the, with the talk saying, you know what, uh, we don't really have any budget for this. And then they finally got that sixth person and everyone was ecstatic. And the day after the company, they bought a lot of, like a, a whole set of machines uh, for piling. And one of these machines, uh, in US dollars, it would be about $3 million for one machine and they bought six of them. Right. Okay. That was like the yeah. amount of money that, that their entire department would cost for like 10 years. Right. <laughs> and they were just yeah. looking at this and saying, have we been fighting for a year to get the resources we need? And then you just go out and you buy this. And then the, the manager was like, yeah, I know, but we just won this project. And we don't have the, the equipment to actually deliver the deadline for that project. So we yeah. needed these machines. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to, to meet the deadlines. And they were just looking at this like, what are you talking about? Like, this is that's, <laughs> that's our life that you just described every day. Right, right. So there is definitely, especially in construction, 
not so much architecture and engineering because the whole equipment part is not uh, as a big of a thing there. Right. But in construction, if you need a machine, if you need a new bulldozer, you'll get one. Yeah. Because otherwise people can't work. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we need to at least try to get some of the same notion into how we work with proposals. This is actually real work. <laughs> it requires resources. Resources sure. is brain power mostly, uh, and maybe a well, a new computer and uh, some software and stuff like that. Sure. But mostly, it's people that that are needed in order to do this. Yeah. Um, a good way of approaching this is if I say I'm an engineer, I need to make a CV. In order for me to make a good CV with as little effort as possible. 90% of the update time on existing CVs is being used on describing new projects that are already there. It's very rarely that people get a new certificate or that they change their overall description of themselves. That's not what they do. They add their role, they add the description to, to a new project. So there is a huge potential for saving time by having someone write the project description, like a general description about what is this about, who's the client, when did the project take place, how much did it cost, stuff like that, all the, the base information. Get that down uh, and then send it out to the people who are actually part of the project that will need this project in their CV. That means they don't have to de develop the wheel over again. They can just reuse uh, this standard description about the project and then tweak it if they want, or they can basically add their own role to it. Say, okay, this is the, the overall description and this was what I did in this project. And thereby, even though it's a standard description, by adding their own role and all description into it, we actually use maybe 80, 90% that are standard that is made by someone else. And then you add the last 10, 20% on your own. And thereby you get something that when you look at the CV, it looks like it was made 100% by you. Uh, so that is a very efficient way of trying to both get good quality on the project descriptions and save time when updating it. Because when we take a project, it's a many-to-many -many relation between a project and many people that has been part of this project. If you only make the description once, then not all of them needs to make that same description. Uh, so there is hundreds or thousands of hours to save by people not trying to make those descriptions on their own every time. Perfect. So lastly, like you mentioned, you've worked with a lot of companies, 300 companies on exactly this. So how do we get this right? Well, I would say um, there is some steps you can take. They might not all be relevant for you, but at least in my experience, this is what you need to at least take uh, some decision on whether or not this is what you need to focus on or not. So right. first, you need to make a decision that this is actually important, that you're actually going to focus on getting good CVs and references. If you can't get a buy-in for that, none of the rest matters. Right. But let's say you make that decision. And in most organizations, I would expect that this is possible. Next, you need to figure out who benefits from this work? 
who is the people that will need this? So that means if you have someone that are using the CVs and the references, they are most likely the people that are most interested in making sure that the quality is good enough, that this that things are delivered on time. And those are the people you want to get involved. Those are the people you want to give the responsibility for this happening. That does not mean that they need to do it. It just means that they get to tell people to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because right. they are the people that will be interested in that. Uh, their lives will become easier if this works. Sure. Therefore, they're the ones most motivated to get this to work. Right. Then third point, we need to get the project managers involved because it's hard to make good CVs without having good references because we need the descriptions of the projects and that is done by the project managers. They are the people that knows what has been going on, why the client is happy, why this project was a success, We need that information because it's gold when we, if we can get it into the CVs. Right. And of course, we also need it for the references as standalone, basically, but we need it in the CVs as well. Fourthly, we need a process for how to update it so that once we have the CVs, once we have the references, we need to make sure how do they stay up to date over time? Because we need to revisit them once in a while. When should this happen? Who should revisit them? Uh, who ensures that whatever changes we make when we revisit them, that those changes are actually good enough so that we don't end up with a poorer quality than from what, where we started. That's very important as well. Right. Then we need uh, basically a structured QA process. We need to have some quality assurance, meaning the people making the references or the CVs they might not know what the client want to hear. Right. They know about the project, they know about their own skills, but they might not uh, know about what wording to use, what buzzwords is high on the agenda right now. We need some feedback here from the marketing because they are the ones in contact with the clients. They are the ones that needs to provide that information in order for us to create good CVs and references. Perfect. And again, remember, we're not making good CVs and references for our own sake. It's because someone needs to read them. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's so silly, really, but it's true. Sometimes I see that people are very, very protective about their own CV. They have a, right. a, a very clear idea about what the CV should include. But it's like, this CV is not for you. You're not applying for a job. This is right. not you. It's yeah. someone else. We're writing this. We're making all of this work for someone else. So what you think about the CV doesn't matter. Sorry, but you're not the recipient here. Right. It's someone else. That's very important. And the last thing is we need to basically get a feedback loop in the sense that when we are told that something is not good enough, how do we get that into the process so that we don't send out the same reference, the same CV with the same problems or the same errors as the last time? Right. Um, so because very often and tender and proposal departments tend to have the notion that once a proposal is sent, it's water under the bridge. We're moving on because we already have five new deadlines. Right. But it's so important that we actually evaluate what happens when we get that feedback, because most of the time you will get some feedback mm -hmm. and then feed that feedback, <laughs> get the feedback right into your references and CVs again to make them better and, and basically uh, upping the chance that you'll be successful the next time in case you were not. Right. Um, so I would say if you can get those six points right, make the decision to do this, figure out who benefits from them, from good CVs and reference and get them involved, get the project managers involved so that they can start to describe the projects in a better way 
and create a process for, for how to do the updating over time of both the CVs and references, and then get the QA process up and running so that you can actually make sure that what you provide is good enough. And then you get a feedback loop. So when you get some feedback, you get it into the CVs again. If you can get those six points right, I would say you're probably at least 50% better off than all your competitors. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to walk through this with me. This is a really valuable conversation. And I think it's a conversation that gets skipped over quite a bit in this industry. Yeah. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. Thank you again to Anders for this conversation. I know it was pretty timely for myself. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.